1: Psalm 34 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Wow. God doesn't tell us to worship him for him. He tells us that as we worship him, all of a sudden we're aware of his beauty. We're aware of his magnificence. We're aware of the creation around us. We're aware of all these wonderful things that reflect that he created all. He's the master of it all. He did it all.
0: We might think that worship is meant to benefit God, but in today's message, Pastor Dave shares that it's actually more for us. As we grow, we lift our voices in praise to God. Our worship comes in response to all we see in creation, and all the love and grace we now live in thanks to Jesus' death and resurrection. Here's Pastor Dave in the book of Judges, chapter 5, with part one of his message, Glorious Celebration. You are assured.
1: going to look at Judges 5. We're going to be looking at a glorious celebration, a glorious celebration. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Judges chapter 5. I'd kind of like to read the 31 verses through it so that we kind of, because we're going to be talking about it and it's kind of difficult to go through it a little bit line by line. So let's read the verses. Judges 5, it's called the Song of Deborah. That's what I mean by glorious celebration. Then Deborah and Barak, the son of sang on that day, saying, When leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes. I, even I will sing to the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. Lord, when you went out from Zaire, when you marched from the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens poured. The clouds also poured water. The mountains gushed forth before the Lord. This Sinai before the Lord God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were deserted. The travelers walked along the byways. Village life ceased. It ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose, arose a mother in Israel. They chose new gods. Then there was a war in the gates. Not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. My heart is with the rulers of Israel who offered themselves willingly with the people. Bless the Lord. Speak, you who ride on white donkeys, who sit in judges' attire, and who walk along the road, far from the noise of the archers among the watering places. There they shall recount the righteous acts of the Lord, the righteous acts of his villagers in Israel. Then the people of the Lord shall go down to the gates. Awake, awake, Deborah. Awake, awake, sing a song. Awake, Barak, and lead your captives away, O son of Abineman. Then the survivors came down, the people against the nobles. The Lord came down for me against the mighty, from Ephraim, where those whose roots were Amalek, after you, Benjamin, with your people. From Machir, rulers came down, and from Zebulon, those who bear the recruiter's staff. And the princes of Issachar were with Deborah. As Iskishar was so was Barak, sent into the valley under his command. Among the divisions of Reuben, there were great resolves of heart. Why did you sit among the sheepfolds to hear the pipings of the flocks? The divisions of Reuben have great searchings of heart. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan, and why did Dan remain on ships? Asher continued at the seashore and stayed by the inlets. Zebulon is a people who jeopardized their lives to the point of death. Natali also on the heights of the battlefield. The kings came and fought. The kings of Canaan fought. In Takanach, by the waters of Megiddo, They took no spoils of silver. They fought from the heavens. The stars from their courses fought against Sesera. The torrent of Kishon swept them away. That ancient torrent, the torrent of Kishon. Oh, my soul, march on in strength. Then the horse's hooves pounded, the galloping of his steeds. Curse Moroz, said the angel of the Lord. Curse its inhabitants bitterly, because they did not come to the help of the Lord. To the help of the Lord against the mighty. Most blessed among women is Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. Blessed is she among women in tents. He asked for water, she gave milk. She brought out of cream in a lordly bowl. She stretched her hand to the tent peg, her right hand to the workman's hammer. She pounded Sesera, she pierced his head. She split and struck through his temple. At her feet he sank, he fell, he lay still. At her feet he sank, he fell. Where he sank, there he fell dead. The mother, as looked through the window and cried out through the lattice, Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarries the clatter of his chariot? Her wisest ladies answered her, Yes, answered herself, Are they not finding and dividing the spoil to every man a girl or two? For Cesare plundered of dyed garments, plunder of garments embroidered and dyed, two pieces of dyed embroidery for the neck of the looter. Thus Let your enemies perish, O Lord, but let those who love him be like the sun when it comes out in full strength. So the land had rest for 40 years. So I'm sure you know that throughout scripture, when the Jewish people wanted to celebrate a special occasion, they often expressed themselves in song. They often just broke out in singing. It's interesting that when we're studying history and we're looking at various events, we might tend to forget them. But when you place them in a song, it seems like you seem to remember them more. And I have songs running through my head of history things that you learned when you were a kid about certain things. You're not likely to forget them. In fact, one of the tools that teachers use to teach kids is they try to put various things to rhyme or to song. And it's been proven that if they sing these rhymes and these songs that they remember but they're studying a little better. Throughout Scripture, the Israelites, when they wanted to commemorate a special occasion, they broke into songs. Exodus 15, you have the song of Moses that Moses sang after Pharaoh was destroyed at the Red Sea. Moses sang that. In Deuteronomy 32, another song of Moses at the time of his death. In 2 Samuel 1, verses 17 to 27, After the death of the beloved Jonathan and his father, King Saul, David told his men to teach the children the song of the bow. Because both of them were struck down by the bow. To teach the children the song of the bow. And of course, Psalm 18. It's called a psalm, but when you read it, and you read the introduction to it, it says it's a song that David sang on the day he was delivered from the hand of King Saul. Even Mary the mother of Jesus, broke out into song when she was at her cousin Elizabeth's house. It's called the Magnifica, this beautiful, gorgeous song that she sings about being blessed among women and how the Lord has honored her with the blessing. We too will be singing songs. We'll be singing a new song, according to Revelation. We will be gathered around the throne of God and we will be singing. You can read that in Revelation 14. Revelation 14. This is a song, a song to celebrate, and the leader of the song is Deborah, the lady we read about last week. The Lord raised Deborah up. She was already a judge, but the Lord raised her up to be also a deliverer, which is where the word judge comes from, but she was a judge in the sense that she sat at a specific spot that all of Israel could see, and there was contention between two people. They went to her, and then she would judge the situation and hand down a decree, and the people would go their merry way. The land was at rest for 80 years under the direction of the judge Ehud. But the children at his death did evil in the sight of the Lord. Eighty years they rested. Eighty years they didn't have any problem. But as soon as he died, there was no one to take his place. And they fell back into sin. Specifically, idolatry. They fell back into worshiping other gods. The Lord had to discipline them by sending in Jabin, a cruel king. The nation was harshly oppressed for some 20 years. Finally, after 20 years, they've had enough, and they realize that they have to cry out to the Lord for his deliverance. They cry out to the Lord, and our gracious Heavenly Father, our faithful God, hears their cries, and he sends in a deliverer, a prophetess named Deborah. She was already on the scene. She seeks the Lord's guidance, and she calls upon this man by the name of Barak to lead the army of Israel, about 10,000 strong, against Jabin's army, who is commanded by this well-known man at the time, Sesera, kind of an evil henchman, if you're thinking about some sort of a play. You could write it that way, I guess. Although Barak hesitated, although he really was kind of hesitant to go, insisting that, Deborah, if you go, I'll go. He did get this army of 10,000 and he went up against Sisera because Deborah had told him in verse 6 and 7 of chapter 4 this. Then she, Deborah, sent and called for Barak, the son of Abawin, from Kadesh in Naphtali and said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, go and deploy troops to Mount Tabor? Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Natali and the sons of Zebulun, and against you I will deploy Caesara, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hand. Deborah reminds Barak about this. Now, as I was studying this week, I came across something that really was interesting to me. And I'd like to share it with you. We said that Israel or the Lord raised up a woman in Israel because the men were not taking their proper places. The men were not taking their proper places as head of the families. They weren't teaching their children. They weren't following the Lord's command. And the Lord did raise up this Barak guy. And I thought it was interesting, so I wanted to know a little bit more about him. Because when you read the narrative in chapter 4, it seems like he's a little hesitant. He a little doesn't really want to go and do this mighty work. But I found something remarkable, quite admirable for Barak. And I want to share that with you. You might already know this. In the great hall of faith... In the great chapter of faith in Hebrews, in Hebrews 11, specifically verse 32, specifically verse 32 in Hebrews 11, look what is written there. The writer is talking about how by faith all these things happen. By faith, Rahab did this, and by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. And in verse 32, he says these words. What more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and Barak. Wow. Barak's listed in the hall of faith. So there must have been something about this man a faithful obedience to God that was recognized by the Holy Spirit, and here... The writer of Hebrews puts this into the hall of faith in this great and grand list of names of people who had great faith. And I think that's remarkable as we see that. It's something that we didn't know and we didn't glean on as we look at Barack. God raised him up and he led. A little hesitant in his leading, but as we were going to find out when we start restart our series, when we get into chapter 6, 7, and 8 we're going to find out that there is even someone who is even more hesitant to lead than Barak somebody who was even a little bit more shy than Barak a little bit more not wanting to lead than Barak a guy who who is really kind of hiding out and his name happens to be Gideon and we're going to look at his story so he's mentioned there in verse 32 also of men of great faith so i just wanted to point that out so barak musters his army from Ephraim and Nathalie and the like. About, they figure about nine of the tribes or so, eight or nine of the tribes joined them. About four of the tribes didn't come. But they went against Sesera and his army. And as the Lord promised, Israel prevailed. They overcame Sesera and his army because the Lord sent this great mass of storm that we read about in. Chapter 5, this great deluge from Mount Kishon that came down and the chariot wheels. Remember, Caesarea's army had some 900 chariots, had all these chariots, and they all got stuck in the mud, and they couldn't move, and they couldn't operate, and so they were defeated. They were defeated by the hand of the Israelites. But Caesarea fled the battlefield. Caesarea got away when all his other men were defeated, and we find Caesarea in chapter 4 hiding. He's hiding in a tent with a blanket over his head. He's hiding so nobody can find him in the tent of this woman, Jael. Now, Jael is the wife of Heber. And it's interesting because she becomes blessed of women. As Bill pointed out last week, there's only one other woman mentioned in Scripture that was blessed of women. That was Mary, the mother of Joseph. So she is blessed of women. And we read that as we went through the narrative, this poem. But why is she blessed of women? She's blessed because she, on God's behalf, she took a pent stake and a hammer and rammed it through his head, sister's head. But as we look at this beautiful song, this song of celebration, this song of the Lord's faithfulness, the song of the Lord's deliverance from bondage and oppression, we see it's a song of praise and it's also a song of prayer. It's a joyful song, which probably occurred spontaneously. I could just see Deborah and Barak up on the mountain watching these things. And all of a sudden it says, then Deborah and Barak, the son of Abimelech, sang. It's almost like they started to sing. It's kind of like when we're in prayer. It's Kind of like when we're sitting in prayer in a great big circle, and there's 20 to 25 of us in a time of prayer. And all of a sudden somebody starts singing. And we're all, some we're all singing, and we're praising the Lord. It's, that's kind of like what happens here. I, I like that. The Spirit moving. They were filled with emotion as they saw their army become victorious. They were filled with this emotion because God had been victorious. They know that God had won. And it's the Spirit of the Lord coming you know, upon them. We read in verse 1 that I said that Deborah didn't sing alone. She got Barack to sing with her. But well, you know... Something happens when you're singing to the Lord. I don't know if you sing by yourself to the Lord. I don't know if you do that. I do. I enjoy singing. I enjoy music. It's always been very, very important in my life. And I sing to the Lord a lot. I enjoy singing to the Lord. Something happens when you break out in praise and start singing to him. Something happens within you. Something happens in your spirit. When we worship the Lord in truth and when we worship the Lord in spirit, something happens in our heart. Something incredible happens with our heart. Now, I have to ask the question, who benefits from worship? Does God benefit from our worship or do we benefit from our worship? Maybe a little bit both, but I think we benefit more than God does from our worship. I think we benefit much more than God does from our worship. Psalm 95 says, Come and let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture. We're the sheep of His hand. Psalm 34 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. Wow. God doesn't tell us to worship Him for Him. He tells us that as we worship him, all of a sudden we're aware of his beauty. We're aware of his magnificence. We're aware of the creation around us. We're aware of all these wonderful things that reflect that he created all. He's the master of it all. He did it all. And we're just there and we're recognizing it. It becomes a magnificent time for us to tell him how much we loved him and tell him to thank him for adopting us as kids when we were spoiled brats running around doing who knows what. He adopted us, brought us into his family. See, worshiping God strengthens us. I mean, I don't know what you do when we sing these songs. I don't know what's in your heart when you do. I don't know what's in your heart when we sing these songs on Sunday morning. I mean, I don't know. I hear you singing. I do hear you singing, and I see people clapping and people raising your hands. I don't know what's in your heart. But something special happens when we worship the Lord. Something special and grand happens within our heart. It's for us. It's for us. I used to live in Ocean City, as I said many, many times, and my prayer closet was the beach, as I said many, many times. And I would go out there on the beach, and I would have my prayer list of things that I wanted to pray for. And I'd have them in my pocket, and I'd go out, and as I was walking along the beach at night, I'd feel the cold wind on my cheeks, and I'd start worshiping the Lord. I just start singing as loud as I could all by myself in the middle of winter. Nobody else on the boardwalk. Nobody else on the beach. And I'm singing to the Lord, praising God. I'm worshiping God. I'm having the grand time. And so many times it's like you take the prayer list and you go, rip it up and just throw it away. Because you know the Lord has everything under control. It's so wonderful just to worship God. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful to worship in your car. Don't close your eyes. But it's so wonderful to worship him in your car when you're driving. I mean, you pull up to a red light and you're singing like crazy to the Lord. You look over and there's somebody sitting, sitting next to you like, what's wrong what with you, crazy? There's something special when we worship the Lord. When we worship the Lord, he becomes El Shaddai. He becomes Almighty God. And he's marvelous. And we become his children even more and more. Because most of the worship songs, you're telling them how much you love them. You're telling him how much you appreciate him and how much he means to you. And I've said this before, you know, many, many times we want to glean and we want to get, we know that God loves us. Oh, yeah, I love it that God loves me. and I love it. That's great. and That's wonderful. But does God know you love him? You tell him that you love him, whether it be in prayer or in song. Worshiping is Wonderful. It's wonderful. So Deborah and Barak praise the Lord together for what He has accomplished. They praise the Lord for using them as instruments in His hands. Have you ever praised the Lord when He's used you? When He's used you mightily, have you ever said, "Thank you, Lord, for using me"? Thank you, Lord, for using me when I didn't know it was going to happen. It just happened, and look at there—you used me. Oh my gosh! Thank you. It's just a wonderful feeling. They praise the Lord. When we look at verses 2 and 3, it says, When leaders lead in Israel, when people willingly offer themselves, Bless the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes. I, even I, will sing to the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. The Lord gave unity to the nations. Leaders lead, and the people willingly followed. Leadership is so important in the work of God. People need to be led. They need to be guided. There's a reason he calls us sheep. We need to be led and we need to be guided. We need to be shown the way that God wants us to go. And what does God expect of his leaders? We studied this in Romans 12. What does God expect of his leaders? That they would lead. (laughs) I know it sounds simple, but that's what God expects of his leaders. Remember Paul said, if you have the gift of leadership, lead. Lead. God's people need direction. They need guidance. God expects the leaders of the people to actually lead. There's a genuine need for leadership. A genuine need for leadership in the house of God. Leaders are nothing, though, however, without followers. Leaders are nothing without followers. And it's the job of the people to willingly submit and follow their leader as they see the leader submitting to the Holy Spirit, submitting to the Lord, and leading them. And it's interesting, though, when you read about this, the word here for willingly submitted or willingly, yeah, willingly offered themselves, it means consecrate. You are a sure hope.
0: Pastor Dave Schenck will continue his series in the book of Judges next time you join us for A Sure Hope. In the meantime, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so that they're available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. Those short breaks could be filled with the study of God's Word and the uncovering of treasures from its verses. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, gaining access to the latest messages as soon as they're posted. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, We'd love for you to come join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May will soon be moving to two services, meeting weekly on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Both services offer nursery and Sunday school, where your children will be well cared for as they learn about the love of Jesus. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Judges. We pray you'll continue to be blessed as you study the Word on your own and that you'll discover Jesus working in your life each day. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this Old Testament book. So join us again right here on Assure Hope.